0: This program is made possible not just in part, but entirely by the support of listeners just like you. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Young Turks, The Onion Radio News, NPR, Real Time with Bill Maher, and Citizen Radio. This episode includes strong language, including one word that your young children will almost certainly ask you about that you will definitely not want to have to explain. Enjoy!
1: We have a sorcerer.
0: Uh, we have a sorcerer.
1: A sorcerer in. Um, he's in. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia.
2: Of course. Uh, well, it's, he's been caught in Saudi Arabia. He right. started his sorcery in Lebanon uh, and can't have it. Can't have it. So he was doing a TV show. Yeah,
1: right? actually, it was a radio show. He had a radio oh. show where um, he supposedly practiced black magic. He could see into the future, and callers would call in and he would give them advice about their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, officials in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia didn't like that, so as soon as they could, they arrested him and they put him on trial, and they decided that the proper sentence for sorcery is execution.
2: Ah, uh, this is where the story gets unbelievable. By the way, uh, this uh, gentleman was apparently also on a Beirut-based satellite TV channel as well, and he had a popular call-in show, uh, and uh, and apparently it also aired in Saudi Arabia. Hence, Saudi Arabia says, "Look, as soon as he steps in on." On our soil, we have jurisdiction because the show aired here, and uh, and we got this some of them bitch on sorcery charges. Okay, now look, the, the funny side of this, of course, is sorcery. I mean, are you kidding me, mm-hmm. right? But it, it's absurd. It's what's amazing about it is that Saudi Arabia, the government, the government, believes it. Mm-hmm. Like they believe he's a sorcerer. They're like, we got to watch out for this guy, because he'll do some, you know, sorcery on our ass. Lock him up. Well, which is kind of curious, because they're taking a bit of a risk. What if he does do the sorcery on them? Right. <laughs> and if you're a sorcerer, why not? I mean, this is the time to unleash your sorcery, right? I mean, you're sitting in a Saudi prison cell. Uh, and the fact that they view him to be a legitimate threat shows you how monumentally stupid they are. I mean, he... They think like, all right, well, we got Islam, and that's you know our voodoo, and then these guys have sorcery, and that's their voodoo, and well, that's competition. It's like how Christians in America, some fundamentalist Christians, view uh, Harry Potter as competition. They're like, oh, that's wizardry, you know, and you know the Rumpelstiltskin and the Dumbledore guy, and etc. They're, I mean, they're in competition with Jesus and and St. John and stuff. I mean, look, I know they're fundamentalists on both sides, but in Saudi Arabia, that's the government, right? Mm-hmm. So they're gonna kill the guy. This is the, that's the serious part of the story. He's got but, five
1: kids. Yeah, he's got five kids. His wife says that he hasn't. She hasn't seen him in uh, two years. She doesn't know what kind of uh, state he's in. She doesn't know if he's even had anything to eat. She's super worried about him, and she's begging officials in Saudi Arabia to at least let her see him. And they won't let uh, his wife see him at all.
2: And, of course, uh, Amnesty International stepped uh, into his defense, and they're trying to bring attention to it, because these cases, I mean, they just – it happen all the time, and if you don't bring attention to it, then the poor guy gets executed and it's over. At least if you bring attention to it, he's got a fighting chance, then it becomes a source of embarrassment because of how unbelievably stupid and foolish the Saudi government looks. Like they were actually worried about a sorcerer in the, you know, in the 21st century and that they have to kill him because of his wizardry, I mean, at least we're not killing Harry Potter over here. I mean, we got our own crazies, right? And for a while, they were in charge, right? But look, this is why I'm against the Saudi government. This is why I'm against fundamentalism, whether it's in the form of religion, it's in the form of a, you know, an ancient cultural relic that's uh, remained behind, et cetera. And because people make the argument, oh, and it's not the religion, it's the culture, it's not the culture, it's the religion, et cetera. I don't care. You know what it is? It's ignorance. It's absolute unbridled ignorance, and that's what we're supposed. And that's why we fight against it. and it's like, you know, sometimes you fight against it, and people go, "Oh well, come on, of course, Of course there's no sorcery." And of course they shouldn't execute that guy for doing a TV show, right? I mean like it's that, that, what's that guy here? John Edwards, the one that speaks to the dead or whatever? Oh, is it yes. John Edward? Is that the difference? I, I don't know. He, his name sounds a lot like the guy who ran for president, who also has issues. <laughs> okay, anyway, he did a little sorcery of his own, which got him into a different kind of trouble. Anyway, uh, so, and, and you think, well, look, wh- wh- you're, I always think, like, what I'm saying is so obvious, right? But apparently, it's not obvious to a lot of people. We got an entire government who believes it and who goes around executing people based on it. Unreal, man. And, uh, but I hope one day uh, I do believe that we will uh, defeat that kind of ignorance, uh, and the answer is always education. Because once you learn a little bit about the world and about science, realize there is no goddamn sorcery, and you don't have to execute people for doing cute little tricks on television. I mean, the guy's doing magic tricks. Mm-hmm. I mean, who gets executed for a magic trick? It's crazy. In my
3: dreams, I'm dying.
4: Passover Seder is half-assed. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Guests at the Rosenthal household expressed disapproval today as they endured a Passover Seder obviously thrown together at the last minute and performed with little enthusiasm. Attendee Saul Meyer found that the absence of bitter herbs failed to remind him of his people's slavery in Egypt. There was something wrong with the matzah we used for breaking. It wasn't real. Uh, my wife and I think they were uh, rye crisps from Trader Joe's. Meyer added that he should have excused himself and departed before his host, Paul Rosenthal, drained his fourth cup of wine and launched into a Sammy Davis Jr. medley. I gotta be me. i be but what I am. I want to live, not merely survive, and I won't give up this dream of life that keeps me alive. I gotta be me.
3: Recently, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville convened a school-wide event to talk about a new book by a popular evangelical Christian. It wasn't pretty. Southern Baptist theologian Jim Hamilton summed up the book this way. It is a new kind of Christianity that is no Christianity at all. Then theologian Bruce Ware chipped in.
5: You know, I've thought of Brian McLaren for years as a wolf in sheep's clothing, but I think in this book he took the sheep's clothing off.
3: Who is Brian McLaren, and what has he done to make these people so angry? Well, McLaren is considered one of the country's most influential evangelicals, and his new book, A New Kind of Christianity, takes aim at some core doctrinal beliefs. McLaren is rethinking Jesus' mission on earth and even the purpose of the crucifixion.
6: The view of the cross that I was given growing up, in a sense, has a God who needs blood in order to be appeased. If this God doesn't see blood, God can't forgive.
3: McLaren believes that version of God is a misreading of the Bible.
6: God revealed in Christ crucified shows us a vision of God that identifies with the victim rather than the perpetrator, identifies with the one suffering rather than the one inflicting suffering.
3: McLaren says modern evangelicalism underplays that Jesus, who spent most of his time with the poor, the sick, and the sinners, and saved his wrath primarily for hardcore religious leaders. That's like a shot to the heart of Christian beliefs, says Al Mohler, president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Did
4: Jesus go to the cross as a mere victim? If so, we have no gospel. We have no hope of everlasting life. Did Jesus go merely as a, as a political prisoner, executed because he had offended the regime? Well, if so, then that's a very interesting chapter in human history, but I'm not going to stake my life on it, uh, much less my hope for eternity.
3: Moeller says McLaren and others like him are trying to rewrite the Christian story, and what alarms him is that young believers are attracted to this message. That's absolutely right, says Brian McLaren. Take the core evangelical belief that only Christians are going to heaven and everyone else is doomed.
6: A young evangelical Roman Catholic mainline Protestant growing up in America today, if he goes to college, his his roommate might be Hindu, his roommate might be Muslim, his roommate might be Buddhist or atheist. So suddenly the other is sleeping across the room.
3: Brian McLaren is on to something here, says David Campbell, a professor at Notre Dame and co-author of American Grace, The Changing Role of Religion in America. His surveys show that nearly two-thirds of evangelicals under 35 believe that non-Christians can go to heaven, but only 39% of those over 65 believe that. That's because because young evangelicals have grown up in a religiously plural society, Campbell says. And it's really hard to condemn someone to uh, eternal
0: damnation on the basis of their religion when you know them well and have come to love them.
3: Surveys by Campbell and others show that young evangelicals differ from their elders in a lot of ways. They are less likely to read the Bible or take it literally. They pray and go to church less often. And they're more open to, say, evolution and gay rights. Al Mohler says he's saddened by all of this, but he's not surprised that young people buy Brian McLaren's version of Christianity.
4: I'm sure he's tapping into an exhaustion, a fatigue, a sense of wanting to be culturally relevant, a sense of not wanting to stand out from one's peers and neighbors. I certainly understand that. I just believe that the cost of following that route is literally the abandonment of historic biblical Christianity.
3: Moeller is determined to nip any such trend in the bud. But if Brian McLaren and surveys of young people are any guide, there seems to be an appetite for a different sort of evangelical Christianity.
1: colorado known as sacred hearts of jesus catholic school and uh, this school just kicked out one of their students because they found out that the students parents uh... Are two lesbians
7: mm-hmm. okay
1: so uh, now the community is getting together and they're fighting for this uh... couples rights and they're fighting so this child can go back to the school and not be kicked out
2: that's awesome i love that we we have video on this right uh, let, let, let's check that out because they had a good local story on it gives you a little bit more context and uh... made me love the parents who were fighting for them. and then of course after the video i want to talk a little bit about the hypocrisy of the school because there are certain people they're not kicking out and that's an interesting part of the story you don't get that here but you're going to get the good background let's watch
7: A young child caught in the middle of a growing controversy being forced out of a Catholic school because of the student's parents. And the reaction is leading other parents, teachers and the community to take action. Good evening, I'm Bozzie Kanani, in for Adele tonight.
4: And I'm Mark Kobrick. The story is gaining national attention two days after we first received a news tip about it. Parents at the school in Boulder are now getting ready to rally behind a lesbian couple told by the Denver Archdiocese that their child would not be allowed to re-enroll at the school next year. News reporter Kevin Torres is in the Information Center tonight, and Kevin, earlier tonight you spoke with community members who met at a different church in Boulder to discuss the issue.
8: Yeah, Mark, they originally considered holding a protest outside the school, but felt that wouldn't be a helpful response, especially if preschoolers saw it. Instead, they gathered in a quiet church room a few miles away. I think lots of churches are doing a lot of soul-searching right now. The discussion was held at Wesley Chapel in Boulder. Well, we've been at CU Boulder doing ministry since 1917. Those who came... It was clear to me that we needed to come out and and share our feelings. Had mixed feelings about what happened at Sacred Heart. I'm... Horrified
1: to learn that this happened.
8: They knew it involved a child and the child's parents. But he has two moms. They just didn't understand why the parents' sexuality would provoke a school to do something like this.
1: Whoever discriminates against them, that's not the reality. The reality is they are a family and nobody can say differently
8: according to legal experts we spoke with the archdiocese has every right to make this decision its school policy says quote, parents living in open discord with catholic teaching in areas of faith and morals unfortunately choose by their actions to disqualify their children from enrollment end quote. they're entitled to do what they want and i would respect them no matter what they decide not everyone's response was as friendly as the pastors others say it's time to change or face pressure from the community this is one of those moments i think where the community is saying to an institution you might want to reconsider how you're doing things a group of parents plans on gathering next week now some of the parents who I spoke with today said they're upset with the school's decision so upset they might consider pulling their children from Sacred Heart Mark
2: alright Kevin Torres All right. in the information center. alright who doesn't love those parents that are fighting for you know uh, the other parents to be able to keep their kid in there now let's talk a little bit about the hypocrisy okay I know a lot of friends who are Jewish who wound up uh, going to Catholic school, okay? Or just were Christians and not Catholics and wound up going. Now, technically, what? They're not living by the interpretation of the Bible that the Catholics have. Should they get kicked out? No, only the gays. Okay. If you think that's not convincing, how about this? Uh, divorced couples, they put their kids in Catholic school all the time. It is absolutely indisputable that that is against the teachings of the church. How come they don't get kicked out? Mm-hmm. It's because they've decided we're going to discriminate against gays, and the you know, if I might say so, the Bible be damned. Now they'll say, "What are you talking about? It's in the Bible." But so is don't get divorced, right? But selective prosecution is what we call this, right? And you're not worried about that. You're not worried about anything else. You're not worried about the guys who ate shellfish, the ones that went to Red Lobster. The only thing you're worried about is I want to kick out the gays
1: and you know what this is a real catch-22 for parents who want to enroll their children in schools because on one hand you have public schools where there are no there is no moral police and there are no rules like this right but they're getting a crappy education because there's cuts in funding right Mm -hmm. and then they want to enroll them in catholic schools which are gonna cost money or private schools which are gonna cost money and then you have administrators and teachers that are meddling in your personal life so when is it going to be about education? When are the students going to get a nice quality education without all this bullshit in the background?
2: And a reason why a lot of people go to Catholic schools is because or send their kids to Catholic schools is because the private schools that are not religiously oriented cost uh, arm and a leg. The public schools are in some areas are disastrous. The Catholic schools are generally speaking reasonably priced but still give you a decent education when they're not getting in your personal life. So that's why people want to go there. Now, having said that, do the Catholic schools have the right to do this? Absolutely. Uh, it's a private school; they can set any rule they like. Uh, so, now within bounds of reason. But I think that this is totally within the bounds of reason. It's their interpretation of their religion. I don't agree with their interpretation, but I'm not them, and we do have freedom of religion, and it is a private school. Uh, I think they totally have the right to do that. Now, having said that, if you know that's a school that discriminates against gays, and you're in Boulder, Colorado, you don't want to send your kid to that school. Well, that makes sense. And then all of a sudden you got the free market working, and maybe less and less kids go to that school. And then all of a sudden they panic a little bit and are looking to make up that money. And all of a sudden, look at that—they're more liberal, and they're going to find a, it, find out. You know what? We have been letting people who are divorced in. Maybe we should let people who are gay parents have their kids go here. In the, in the ideal world, that's how it'll work out. You know, will it work out like that? In this case, I don't know, but I do know. That although the church uh, in that case the school has the right to do what they're doing, the parents also have a right to complain about it. So, hey, America kind of working as it should to some degree. Well, early in the morning,
5: about the break of day, I ask the Lord, help me find the way.
9: did a movie called The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boy. Yeah,
10: yeah. It I was lo- a rough shoot, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I my what? publicist told
9: you not to bring that fucker up. <laughs> and, uh, yes, because I, I love a guest who comes on with a segue, because I wanted to talk about the Catholic Church. <laughs> right. and is, it, is it really about what we think it's about? No, it, it, the, the title kind
6: of did the movie in a little bit. It's uh,
7: actually, they're just very adventurous, you know? Oh. Yeah, but not in the, you know Right <laughs> I gotta say, um, like, Catholicism lately Is like making Scientology look pretty good
9: <laughs> I mean oh, no, no. Don't say that, now, come on Don't fall under the Come s- on, Bill Don't fall under the sway of the Scientologists Curse the alley, John Travolta It'll make you fat And <laughs> you Scientology seen makes you fat <laughs> It doesn't make you fat Tom Cruise, exception, you're true. Okay, I want to ask about this. So, it was, it's on the front page every day now, this this, what's going on with the Catholic Church. And I know, I can hear it already. I'm gonna get letters, you're a Catholic bigot and all that. I'm not. You know, I mean, there's no, I'm not hiding it. I don't like religion, we all know that. But. Okay, so there's a number of scandals, and it's going all over the world. What happened in this country about eight or ten years ago with the boys and the priests and everything, now we have scandals like that in Germany, Australia, Brazil, Ireland. It's going worldwide. Okay, so... The, the Pope is involved with yeah. this, because when he was the uh, Archbishop in Germany of, I think... Allegedly. The, the Mu- I mean,
8: yeah. he denies this, but...
9: Well, he was not allegedly the Archbishop. <laughs> 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 okay, but, but here's what's... Now, today, this is what the story in the paper was today. There's this, there's this priest named Peter Hullermann in Germany. He is obviously a child molester. Yeah. He was actually he convicted of it of yeah. in the 80s. In the early 80s, when the Pope was in Munich, okay, this guy was diddling little boys... Here's what the, the psychiatrist who treated Mr. Peter, Reverend Peter Hildman, priest Peter Hildman said, I said, for God's sakes, he desperately has to be kept away from working with children. Okay. And then the the Pope, in, at that time, transferred him to another diocese, which is exactly what happened in this right. country. Um, I guess my question is, if you were an organization, if you were a part of an organization that treated children like this, wouldn't you quit it? Well. If it was, I mean, you know, have, or, I, if it were, or try to change it. Having, or try to change it.
7: I, I covered the American clerical sex abuse scandal uh when I was covering the Vatican for the New York Times a few years ago. And I would say that it was very disappointing to me as a practicing Catholic that they really didn't, it was very much seen as just an American problem And they had no problem with saying, you know, this is just the Jewish American media, enemies of the church. I mean, that was just right out there. Yeah.
9: (laughs) Right. So it's not an American problem, it's a Catholic problem. It is. It is a worldwide problem. At this
7: point, now that, you know, now that, as you say, it has gone worldwide, they can no longer just say it's an American problem. But you have to remember, and believe me, I think, you know, from sea to shining sea, in the United States of America. Every time the bishops, my bishops, had a chance to protect the children or protect their own derriers. they did not make the right call. That's true. So I certainly do not, uh, you know, support anything that happened. But the whole idea in Italy is, because the Vatican is an Italian institution, that's where it's located. People are there working from all over the world. But the Italian view- that's the problem. But the what? Italian view <laughs> is that this has been going on forever, it's no big deal, and there's also this- That's even worse. <laughs> Yeah, and there's, and there's also this kind of Bill Clinton thing like sex with boys is not real sex. That's, yeah. another That's a jail thing. thing. Yeah.
9: <laughs> it should be a jail but, thing. I mean, come but, on. If this was a chain yeah. of, of, of daycare centers, yeah, they would have sure. rolled it up and there'd be hundreds of people yeah. in jail. Well, the only reason why they're not is because it's religion.
7: I think it's because... But Bill, Bill, what is it about Catholicism that causes that music?
9: Celibacy! celibacy it's because it attracts the wrong kind of people because they know it's the wrong kind of place where you know the what? boys
8: are no, no, but look i mean the the, the, <laughs> so, so, the me celibacy it's a little funny church has celibacy for thousands no, 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 of years no, was just is saying, is but United these crisis. people
7: are obviously not celibate <laughs> right. but but anyway <laughs> i mean i think it's they're just protecting their power but, just the same way in congress when the republicans find out that mark foley is completely inappropriate. They protect him the same way that well, the Democrats protect. Democrats, guy, Eric <laughs> Maskell, exactly it's, it's, the same it's, thing. It's, right? it's,
5: it's not just gay relationships or relationships oh, of, of oh. men and men. It's also men and women. But look, a couple things. Two and a half billion dollars is what it costs church in the United States of America in settlements, this abuse. Right. Now they have over 300, since January in this German example, now over 300 alleged incidents. This is having a profoundly significant impact on this church and a lot of folks are rightly questioning this quote-unquote wall of silence as it's reflected. Right. And so I do think there needs to be accountability and culpability and I think the church at its best always encourages the confessional, in this case, of public opinion. Needs to come up, step up and do the right thing and acknowledge what they knew, when they knew it, uh, and sure. move on and learn from. It. Oh
9: Lord! Oh
5: Lord! Oh Lord! You what know, do you in, prefer? What do you just United, want to shut down they, the, they the institution? Yes, know-
9: I do. <laughs> that was a that was a softball. Really Come a on, on softball. I mean, it's 2010. Who are we kidding? Believing in the Jewish zombie? Come on. <laughs> but. But Are let's
7: you trying
9: get back... to convert me? No. I'd love to convert everybody. I've yeah. tried my whole life, but it's not going to happen. But but let's get back to this celibacy thing, because uh-huh. I think this is the key to the issue. Uh, and Hans Kung, who's a Catholic theologian, said the same thing today. The Pope has to stop denying this link between celibacy and people who get into an organization to be
8: with little boys. Well, I disagree. I mean, look, they've had cel- the church has had celibacy since the, the time of Christ. No! The of the cur- Wrong! The cur- the totally!
9: Wrong. It, totally wrong. <laughs> well, seem like totally right. wrong. you Totally wrong. Like of years everything happened. in the church, it's made up as they go along by human beings. Well, for they of the years make it they sound like it's coming from heaven and it's eternal and it's written on stone. Everything, including the resurrection, is penciled in by humans. <laughs> the church was not celibate for like a thousand years and then they'd change okay, the they change it. They could change it in a minute. My point is that what you and the is sheep the... would still follow. Uh, so they could
7: show my traffic and I really Tomorrow
9: they said it wasn't celibate. You'd quit the Catholic Church? I would think a lot less.
7: I I am not in the Catholic Church because I believe in the perfection of the human people who run the institution. I'm there because I like it. I'm there because it's something about. But if
9: tomorrow the Pope said we're not celibate anymore, I would, would you really, would you quit the Catholic Church?
7: I would love it. That's what.
9: Yeah. There you go.
8: But, but, what, but what, here's the like, Look, if you want to, the, all these other, The Catholic Church is the only church that basically has. Uh, celibate priests, all the other, uh, you know, um, ministers and so on can get married. So if you want to go and sex go to those,
7: scandals too. right? But, you know, the, that's actually, my point. you're both right on the celibacy issue because they made celibacy mandatory in the 12th century, but it has existed as an important tradition in the church since the very beginning. Well,
5: yes. Bill, I think look, I, I think this is a debate that clearly needs to be had, and the church has a bigger problem. It's cities like San Francisco, it's a strong Catholic base. I grew up. I unsuccessfully defended myself on the show last time as a practicing Catholic and as a former altar uh, boy. But, but the big challenge we now have is all these uh, churches are being shuttered and closed down and we can't find uh, conditional use, uh, find new uses for these facilities. The church is having economic problems. This is now going to be exacerbated throughout Europe. Obviously, major problems in Ireland, not to be understated how significant they are there, but huge growth, interestingly, in Africa. Massive growth. I mean, just a sure. stat that suggests five million Catholics in the turn of the century, 1900. Over 150 million of them now uh, in Africa. And new so, customers, they're new not customers. onto them. Yeah. But but there there needs look. It's all about moral authority, and you lose your moral authority when
9: you hide. Yeah. I think it's all about suffering. getting I, asses into the pew, and it's well, well, why there's they're there's so interested in Africa because there, there's some you know customers there yeah. that haven't decided what toothpaste they want to buy, if- and so. Let's go to if Africa. If you go
7: back to the beginning, Jesus was a completely countercultural radical who took on the oppressors and he was of his day and ours, <laughs> maybe. And uh, that's a message that I think you can get a lot out of as a guide of how to live, whether you believe it or
8: Well, in, look, in, if the Catholic America, Church could survive the Spanish Inquisition, it can survive this sex scandal. I mean, well, I you know, get, Jesus yeah. was yeah. a yeah. Jewish
7: yeah. hippie who went into business for himself and he lost in a certain sense.
3: I was happy in the haze of a Hour, but heaven knows I'm miserable
0: now. You can now support this podcast as easily as by shopping online. The next time you need to make a purchase of just about anything, simply visit bestofleft.com and use our Amazon.com search box to find what you're looking for. The search box is located right on the side of the website. You can't miss it. When you make your purchase, we get a little commission. It's just another effortless, completely free way for you to help keep the show going strong. Thanks for your support.
3: We
1: have uh, a story out of India, and it has to do with the Indian Rationalist Association, and they are on a war path to take down uh, religious gurus and babas that they say are um, oppressing the Indian enlightenment.
2: Is, is there anyone who disagrees that uh, the word baba is funny? <laughs> I'm coming after you, baba. <laughs> All right, by the way, baba is, just means dad in Turkish, for example, so I've only used it a million times in my life. But I'm just saying, uh, in the, especially in the context of a guy who's supposed to do like cute little tricks, it sounds pretty funny. Right. Baba, have at it.
1: Now one of the leaders of uh, the Indian Rationalist Association is a gentleman by the name of Sanal Adam Maruku. Adamaruku. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, and what he does, I love the story. What he does is he goes on these television shows where these spiritual gurus are doing their magic tricks, right? And, uh, for instance, there was one guru who said, I can kill anyone with my power, with my magical guru power. And he's like, oh, really? You can? So Edamaruku goes up there and he's like, go ahead, kill me. I'd like to see it. So the channel cancels all their programming for the entire day just for this event, right? And the guru, in the end, of course, can't kill the guy.
2: No, really? (laughs) Wow, that's weird. Look, uh, and that's him trying it. He He wrestled up his hair a little bit. He's like, here, take this. Uh, oh, really, you're still not dead? Okay, how about I hold your hand? I go, and then still, no, still right there. And then here's one of my favorite parts of the story. At one point, he goes, "Well, look, this thing hasn't worked really inside the studio." Oh, well, that's obvious. It's because I need to do this outside after I get drunk and sleep with a woman. Okay, so they take it outside. <laughs> this thing goes till midnight, right? And He's hammered, He's like, oh, blah, blah blah blah, right? And Sanal so still not dead. <laughs> and then at, by midnight, the host is like, I'm gonna have to call it. Uh, he's still kind of alive.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> but then he goes back, and you know, he's doing a series of interviews or whatever, and he starts saying that his initial efforts failed. Because he's accusing Mr. Edamaruku of praying to the gods to protect him.
2: Aha!
1: Uh-huh. Right, except Edamaruku is an atheist, so he doesn't <laughs> pray to anyone. He's the
2: Rationalist Society, <laughs> of course! So he's like, what are you talking about? like Dude, I'm an atheist. I have prayed to no gods or monkeys. <laughs> okay, your stuff is totally made up. Now, I love Sanaa. I, I, this guy, I can't get enough of him. He's been running the Society apparently since 1985. It's now exploding in growth, it's got 100,000 people signed up. In India, I hope they get bigger and bigger. Uh, he's going around and uh, revealing all the tricks of the yogas uh, and the guys who claim to be spiritual healers, et cetera, et cetera. Like the biggest trick is the levitation trick. I mean, that's been around for millennium, right? And then it's like doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, and then, then the guy levitates, right? You want to know what that trick is? He's got an assistant underneath the carpet. So that poor some of a bitch is down there. He's like, oh, I see that. okay, here we go. Uh, and he raises his back, so then the guy looks like he's floating. And then to get his feet up, apparently, he uses two hockey sticks. They used to use hockey sticks like a thousand years ago for the same trick. Probably other kinds of sticks. He's like,
0: was well, he? Oh,
2: God, did, did, did some of be bitch-levin't yet? <laughs> okay. And the other great stuff is, as he disproves all of these tricks all across India, from all these people claiming to be yogas and babas and all that stuff, mm-hmm. is that uh, it's all chemistry. Like, the funny thing is these guys figure things out scientifically, you know, through experimentation, etc. So, like, they'll have things that light on fire from their head. And, and Sanal comes in and he's like, yeah, that's cool. That's because you have this, which does not, right.
1: They they know. they know how the chemicals uh, react to one another, and that's how they're able to, you know, burn themselves or put themselves on fire, but they're not actually on fire.
8: Right,
2: because they have some cloth yeah. or some fabric yeah. that's uh, between them and the fire that is fire-retardant. And another great trick is two chemicals that mix together, and then two minutes later, they burst in flames. Because that's how the chemicals work, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the swamis, they go, like, oh, watch this. I put these two things together, and I stare at it for two minutes. <laughs> and then it explodes in the fire. Like, see? <laughs> and then Sonal comes and He's like, look, watch. I'll do both things, and I'll look away. I won't even look at it. Oh, look at that. They burst into fire. How do you like them apples? <laughs> okay. I can't get enough of this guy. I think like he's the greatest guy on earth.
1: I know. I actually read this story, and I was like, oh, it's Indian jank.
2: Like... <laughs> Indian jank. Come on. Come on. How great is that concept? <laughs> so, um, and then the other thing is, of course, you realize that now there's controversy after controversy in India mm-hmm. with all these swamis and yoga and stuff. Sex tapes. Come on. So much fun have you ever seen a swami sex tape? actually we showed one on the yeah, show yeah we did, we did it was the world's worst sex tape there was
1: actually no sex in the sex tape there, there was, was a lot of rubbing and you know affection going on there was a lot of spooning
2: yeah, spooning in a sex tape? fully clothed? that's not a sex tape you guys don't know how to do sex tapes okay? have you ever seen kim kardashian and paris hilton? they know how to do sex tapes uh, there was canoodling on the sex tape <laughs> and, but there's like another sexual controversy. There's corruption controversies. They're all full of crap, okay? And I love that uh, Sonal Edamar- Maruku is going around and disproving. It. And the great thing is some of these guys took off because of television, because they would do the t- trick on television. People are like, whoa, that's a serious ass swami, right? But now Sonal is doing it on television, too, and he's exposing them. And they're like, oh. <laughs> so now the whole country. See, television and, and media like this, can be used for good or bad. Fox News bad, Young Turks good. Swami's a little disastrous. Sanal good. Okay, so uh, Sanal, we got your back, man, right here on TYT. Go forward, go forward.
0: The
5: scientists reported that there ain't no purpose, and the theologian told me that it's all been designed, and I'm trying
9: to maintain objectivity. The world won't illuminate what really matters, and I'm in a perfect mortal meaning, factor processing the complexity
4: to ejaculate motivates a local Christian to get married. It's the Onion Radio News. I'm Doyle Redland. 22-year-old Christian Matthew Lesky, like all men, wants to ejaculate sperm, but he believes doing so outside of marriage is a sin. Today, Lesky announced his engagement to fellow Christian Luann Perkins and said he's looking forward to marriage and the sweet release of sperm it will bring.
0: I really want to
4: discharge semen. No date has been set for the wedding, but Lesky said he would like it to take place as soon as humanly possible. Doyle Redland for
0: the Lady
5: scientists have discovered something remarkable about the moral judgments that we make, they can be changed almost instantly by delivering a magnetic pulse to an area of the brain close to the right ear. NPR's John Hamilton reports on the surprising link between magnets and morality. To
6: study how people make moral judgments, you tell them a carefully constructed story and see how they respond. LeAnne Young, a researcher at MIT, has been using stories that start out like this.
11: Two people are taking a tour of the chemical factory, and the protagonist named Grace decides to pour her friend some coffee. She puts some powder in her friend's coffee.
6: And at this point, the story can go in several directions. In one, Grace believes the powder is just sugar, but it's actually poison and her friend dies. Young says in another version...
11: Grace tries to poison her friend. She thinks that she's putting poison in her friend's coffee, but lo and behold, it turns out to be sugar, and so she fails to poison her friend.
6: People who hear these stories generally forgive Grace for unwittingly poisoning her friend, but they condemn her for the failed attempt to do harm. Young says that's pretty typical of how we make moral judgments.
11: We judge people not just for what they do, but what they're thinking at the time of their action, what they're intending, And this happens spontaneously and automatically. It happens when we're figuring out who to be friends with, who to punish and reward. We want to be with people who wish us well. But what if
6: something, say a magnetic pulse, made it hard for us to understand another person's intentions? Would that affect our moral judgments? To find out, Young and her colleagues manipulated a part of the brain called the right temporoparietal junction. It's near the surface of the brain, above and behind the right ear, and it seems to help us decipher another person's beliefs. Young's team used a technique called transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS, to briefly interrupt activity in this part of the brain while 20 volunteers responded to stories like the one about Grace and the coffee and Young says the magnetic pulses made a significant difference.
11: If no harm was done, then subjects, when we apply TMS to this area, would judge that as okay, as more or less permissible.
6: Even if the story made it clear that Grace was trying to do harm, people's brains were ignoring the intention and focusing on the outcome. Young says that's the sort of moral judgment you often see in kids.
11: Ask a young child who's around three or four years old whether a boy who breaks five teacups accidentally is more naughty than one who breaks one teacup intentionally. They'll say the one who broke more teacups is more naughty and more bad.
6: Presumably because their brains are still developing the ability to understand the intentions of other people. Joshua Green of Harvard University says the fact that scientists can adjust morality with a magnet may be disconcerting if you think morality is a lofty and immutable human trait.
8: Moral judgment is just a brain process, and that's precisely why it's possible for these researchers to influence it by uh, using uh, electromagnetic pulses on the surface of the brain.
6: Green says this study is part of a much larger effort by scientists to explain how the brain creates moral judgments.
8: What we're essentially trying to do collectively, all of us in this field, is take this mysterious thing that we often associate with the soul or the mind as independent of the brain, and actually break it down in mechanical terms.
6: Green says if something as complex as morality has a mechanical explanation, it will be hard to argue that we have or need a soul. The new research appears in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences.
10: I'm a new soul, I came to this strange world.
0: I know you know by now that the members are absolutely the lifeblood of this show. In return for their support, I've been able to increase the schedule to 10 episodes per month. And this means that the members now are only paying 50 cents per episode to keep the show going. Now, if everyone within the sound of my voice sent in just 25 cents a month, that would be enough. But in reality, we all know that's not going to happen. So just know that when you sign up for a membership at just five bucks a month, you're actually supporting the show for yourself and 20 other people who maybe can't afford to pay. So in return, you actually have my gratitude and the gratitude of all of those who benefit from the service this show provides. For details on membership, please visit the membership tab at festivalleft.com. Thanks so much for your support.
2: Scientific Journal of Social Psychology Quarterly, um, Professor Satoshi Kanazawa from the London School of Economics and Political Science, um, published a paper, and it's fascinating. It, the idea is that uh, his theory suggests that intelligent people are more likely than less intelligent people to adopt evolutionarily novel prefaces and values, okay? So if you were used to doing everything for millions of years, like breathing, uh, you can't tell if someone's smarter or not smarter whether they breathe, we all breathe, right? As mm-hmm. to give you a sense of what that is. And that's called, those things are called evolutionarily familiar, okay? But things that we do, mm-hmm. knew that we didn't do before are called evolutionarily novel. And those are apparently the more intelligent people who figure out the novel things, right? Mm-hmm. That's a controversial theory and it might not be right, et cetera. But it is backed up by numbers, which was interesting. Because I, as I was reading this article, I wasn't buying it. I'm like, yeah, everybody's got theories, right? Um, but he what, ba- backs it up. What didn't you buy about it? Because, look, it's an interesting theory, but it might or might not be true. I mean, there's a lot of places that it could go wrong, and it depends on what you mean by intelligent. It means depends on what you mean by uh, evolutionarily novel, right? So there's a lot of definitional issues there. So, but okay. according to the theory, liberals would be smarter than conservatives because conservatives keep doing the same thing. Whereas liberals are willing to do new things, now that's a really rough way of characterizing it. Mm-hmm. He has more detail. Again, I wasn't buying it until I saw the IQ numbers, and IQ numbers are fishy too, but it is something. Uh, groups that self-identified as very liberal scored an average of 106 IQ score. Mm-hmm. Okay, groups that identified as very self-identified as very conservative had an average IQ score of 95. So that's an 11-point difference which is pretty damn large, okay. If you believe IQs, sorry conservatives, okay. So that's po- point one. A second point is on atheists versus uh, uh, very religious, okay. And religion is, it, by a lot of scientists' uh, estimation, is hardwired into us, right. And it's something that you know when you don't understand the world, you, you come up with myths, et cetera. It's the, one of the oldest things humans have. Oh, done. I totally agree with that. Right now, for so it is evolutionarily novel not to believe those myths, et cetera. And by myths, you don't doesn't mean it's not true. It's just the stories that but, people. But tell.
5: at the
4: same time, what was religion? You know, for our ancestors, going back, it was really it's the voice of the community it's when you get the whole tribe out there to jump around and go now let's kill our
2: neighbors <laughs> i mean and they have to do that with religion right and but there's you know a spiritual aspect to it too of course you listen to the spirits the ancestors etc cetera, et cetera. and when they tell you to kill your neighboring tribe you do what they tell you that's usually how it worked right so now uh, it, So people who don't believe any of that, that is definitely new and evolutionarily novelist there. And then you look at the IQ scores, and it's uh, borne out. People who identify themselves as not at all religious had an IQ score of 103. People who identify themselves as very religious had an average IQ score of 97. Okay, 97 to (laughs) 103. That's a really negligible difference. Yeah, you know... It depends on how you look at it, and I think so too. And again, I, I, I'm not fully buying this because IQs are kind of I mean, fishy. If someone like.
4: was up on me by 40 or 50 IQ points, I'd be a little worried about
2: it. Right. <laughs> by anything under 10, it's like, eh. And you know, there's a theory that uh, once you're at 115 IQ, then you you can, like, that is the mark of people who are successful. But above 115, it doesn't matter how high you are. After 115, it doesn't matter if you're 116 or 185. Yeah, ultimately it life, matters you got to get along with people. Right. It matters whether you get along with people, and it matters how hard you work. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so being smart is not, high IQ, I should say, is not the end-all, be-all. But it is interesting. One more twist to this, which I found fascinating. Monogamous guys, but not women, monogamous guys are also evolutionarily novel, and hence should be smart. Okay? What? Because... Historically, guys have had many different women, but women have had one guy. So for, be, for them, being monogamous is not evolutionarily novel. But for guys, being with one woman is evolutionarily that's, novel. That's really – I never thought about that, but that's true, because so many women used to die in childbirth. Right. That every guy had – That know. was part of the reason. Right. Wow. So if you're, if you're a guy who's, you know, in a committed relationship, congratulations. You're smart. <laughs> and, and, and you'll live longer, according to the research. That's true. Like 10 years. And it doesn't really work that way. But if you believe
8: you, that You'll theory, think. Or maybe you just think it's longer.
7: It's like I've been awakened.
10: Question that atheists get a lot, especially I did a lot of interviews preparing for this atheist convention. And this is kind of the the religious person will use this argument with such satisfaction on their face that I mean this is like this is their ace, this is the big one. Where they say, Oh, so you're all gathering. <laughs> hmm. Uh, seems kind of like a religion, doesn't, doesn't it? And now To be totally honest, the first time that I met a group of atheists who did organize, uh, it was the Sydney Atheists, who I adore, Um, I just did an interview uh, with Dave, Um, Happy Singer, who I'm sure many of you follow on Twitter, and he's wonderful. but it was definitely, like, it's daunting um, at first where you see a bunch of atheist t-shirts. And, you know, I mean, it's obviously not as bad as it would be terrifying if they were like, hey, like, you know, we're atheists too if you want to hang out. And I'd be like, awesome. And they're like, yeah, we meet every Sunday um, in a big building. And if you question Richard Dawkins, you will burn an eternity in well, Christopher Hitchens' basement.
12: <laughs> right. It's conflating two different things. So the first one... Uh, just say, choosing a set time and location does not inherently make you a religion or a cult. That just, I mean, clubs do that. You know, if you're in a knitting club, you say, we meet every Thursday at 7 p.m. It's not, you're not suddenly worshiping the, like, the knitting needles. Oh, wait, right.
10: Are you going to look me in the eye and tell me that knitting clubs aren't a cult? <laughs> look me in the eye and say it. Look me in the eye and say it. They're not a cult. She's sweating right now. She, the knitting people have got to you. The knitting people have got to you.
12: Never forget. I don't know what's happening. Quilts. Uh. <laughs> what? So, that doesn't make you a, uh, a religion by nature. But the second part that you just said, if you question uh, Richard Dawkins, if you question Christopher Hitchens, you will burn in the lake of fire. Then we're starting to get into to religious territory. That's not good. But I've never seriously heard an atheist say that ever. No. In fact, Richard Dawkins himself always says, you know, I'm a man of science, so if anything I said can be disproven, I'm... All for that. Bring you know, it on. If there's scientific evidence one day that there is a God, there was a creator of the universe, and they bring forth that evidence, I, I wouldn't be the guy to say, you know, I spit on your facts.
10: You know? <laughs> right. And although I think I spit on your facts is a line that most people should start using because <laughs> that's really funny. Um, so yeah, so I was on uh, Triple J in Australia the other day, and and we were talking about this. And, you know, something I brought up, and I think I'm going to start saying it everywhere I go. In fact, I said it on the radio this morning, and they did not want to talk about atheism. And I was like, speaking of atheism. And they were like, what? We were talking about Madonna. And I was like, that's right, (laughs) Um, is look, in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to gather. It's cool to see like-minded people. But if you look at atheism, again, we weren't meeting to worship the God of atheism, right? The problem is, I think most atheists, because it is a non-belief, most atheists don't really think about it. I didn't know, even when I was when I called myself agnostic, I didn't know that communities existed. I didn't know who Richard Dawkins was. I didn't know who PZ Myers was, all these people. Um, I had no idea. I knew Peter Singer, but that's because vegan represent. But I, I just didn't know, right? So I would have much rather back in the day, been at home watching The Simpsons, because everybody would rather be watching The Simpsons always. And I'm sure that most of the people at the Atheist Convention would have loved being at home with their kids, would have loved pursuing science, teaching, reading books, so forth, watching Battlestar Galactica, whatever. Uh, The problem is we're fighting people who are trying to take away rights from others, and... They organize. The religious right, they organize. The people who are against gay marriage, who are against women's rights, who are restricting science, who are restricting education, uh, they organize. And much like in America, and I mean, Allison writes about this all the time, You know what happened when people stopped pushing Barack Obama?
12: Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to say that you can't respond to an organized faction by being disorganized. You yourself have to be organized as well, which is what you were saying. But, I mean, there are terrifying examples of what atheists need to do to combat the crazy religious zealots in America. For example, in Texas, the Board of Education just passed an incredibly conservative uh, textbook curriculum. And, I mean, this has been posted uh, everywhere on the Internet because it's terrifying. But basically, it it really... um, Wants the board of education to stress free market principles. Wants to blur the line between church and state. In other words, to um, portray the founding fathers as Christians and not the men who they were, which was uh, men who were very concerned with keeping church and state separate in this country. Yeah, they
10: kind of had an issue with that. Little bit, little bit of an issue,
12: Um, and it's really scary. I mean, the religion is really infesting the schools.
10: So what happens is you need people to fight back because. Republicans are organized. you know. uh, Left-wing people are very, some people are gay rights, some people are animal rights, some people are environment, some people are whatever. Some people are just high and not doing anything. Um, And whereas the right are up every day at six in the morning being like, hey, let's all be crazy. You want to be crazy? You're like, yeah, that's what I do. And then they do that. They're just crazy and mean and bigoted and they're united on that. And so they're the ones, you know, the reason that even our most progressive senators won't criticize Israel is because of the Israeli law Lobby, um, in the face of all the war crimes that are being committed, in the face of the Goldstone Report, who ri- which was written by a Zionist, um, or a self-proclaimed Zionist, it's because they organized. So we need to organize to fight back. And you know what? Once bigotry uh, is eliminated, once, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not going to happen in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, I mean,
12: it- if people just thought of it more as social justice, I mean, nobody looked at Martin Luther King's followers and thought, oh, Christ, that's like a, a religion or a cult or something. Right. You know, it was just people responding at the, the correct time and place for social justice.
10: Right. I mean, that's exactly what it was. And, and I think that's important. I mean, I look at atheism politically. I don't look at it religiously because that would be silly. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. I look at it politically where I'm like, here are a bunch of people who don't believe in the one entity that everyone else is using to ruin people's lives and to take away rights. And so that's why it's important. Now when it comes to the word atheist, that's another big thing. Um, How do I know for a fact? I don't. Um, Nobody does religious no, people for a don't fact that
12: there's no God that there's
10: no God yeah. that there is a God um I'm pretty sure <laughs> but I don't know um so the but, the but the main reason I use the word atheist instead of agnostic is a fuck you is I think more people should be proud and be well, like yeah you know what I am skeptical
12: I I look at it more as so atheist means without God yeah and I look at it more as not being certain that there is no God but to live your life as though you are certain that there is no God right
10: and there also is a part of me where I'm like Hey, listen agnostics, listen you college stoners who say spiritual but not religious, Man the fuck up and start losing friends like the rest of us, all right? Because I feel like what – you know, I I didn't didn't declare myself an atheist until I met Allison because I'm like, you're normal and smart and really funny and cool and not crazy and you call yourself an atheist and I just didn't know like-minded people. So I feel like if more people embrace that, Mm -hmm. let's make religion seem silly. You know, why do people – you know, why do their hearts skip a beat when you tell them you're an atheist? Well, because – people hide in the closet yeah. and it's not that common
12: and I mean especially when you look at what the oppositional forces so just recently another yet another scandal erupted in the Catholic Church with more sex abuse uh, claims coming forth that children were sexually molested
10: by priests and you wrote about this what's their excuse
12: well this one may go all the way up to the Pope because he was Archbishop in Germany during this time and there are accusations let me stress accusations right now that he was helping shut around these priests instead of getting them as far away from children as humanly possible. Um, Yeah, but his head exorcist, that is an actual position, head exorcist, uh, claims that the devil is squatting in the Vatican. And that's why these awful things are happening. But this is the same guy who said the devil was behind Harry Potter. This guy's shit fucking crazy.
10: But I'm going to have radio hosts. And Allison's going to be interviewed. And we have people being like, isn't it a little strange that you guys are all gathering?
12: What isn't did you it- say you guys are extremists?
10: Right. Isn't it a little strange that he- the Pope has a fucking exorcist? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... It should be to the point where if we're so open about it and once people see how many nice, smart, loving, compassionate, caring, cool people there are that call themselves atheists, I don't want it to be that atheists have to be like, "Uh, I'm an atheist but it's stupid, don't worry about it. I want it to be so that Christians and people of faith – Yeah,
12: I want to say that... Or embarrassed, to tell people. The Vatican uh, is able to function because of donations. So anytime the Pope has a crazy harebrained scheme, like, let's have an exorcism squad that'll fly around the globe fighting the devil. Uh, He funds that with your donations. Yeah. So So you are giving money so that... uh, Elderly men can dress up in funny costumes and run around a golden city fucking little boys and occasionally trying to pray the devil out of people.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. I want to switch it up today and thank a couple of members right off the bat. Uh, Robert S. signed up for his monthly membership on February 1st, uh, so thanks, to Robert. And Carl B. signed up for his yearly membership on February 27th. And although Carl uh, you know, signed up pretty recently as a member, he's been a big supporter of the show for a long time, and he is also the proprietor of PeaceButtons.info, where they sell, um, as you might suspect, peace buttons. So check check them out for sure, uh, you know. And, and they actually sell more things other than just buttons. But if you're interested in uh, you know going to a rally or something, and you're not going to be taking your gun, you want to take something that kind of shows that you are not with uh, that crowd. You may be with a different crowd. Um, check out peacebuttons.info. So today I was going to mention uh, you know again as I, as I have been uh, a couple of liberal conferences coming up. And that got me thinking about something else that I decided I wanted to mention as well. I have been hearing many people saying, you know, in many different formats all across the media that they are concerned when they hear, you know, and it's basically the Tea Party ralliers because they're the ones getting the coverage and if they shout something out, there's usually a camera around to hear them. So a lot of people like that have been saying something along the lines of "We want our country back, and a lot of liberal commentators have been commentating that they uh, you know that, that that brings them concern, to say the least and and basically, the argument goes something along the lines of when I hear those people say "We want our country back, that sounds like code language because they're all white. And they're almost certainly racist, and when they say, we want our country back, it's pretty easy to make the connection, well, we have a black president, all of a sudden you want your country back, you know, what? what is that country you're imagining you want back? You want to go back to the 50s, and, uh, you know, when all the white people were in charge, and, you know, that, that sort of thing. And I am not even entirely against that line of thinking, because I think that, Probably, you know, if, if you find a select group of people within the the Tea Party rallies, it would be crazy if some of those people weren't thinking something along those lines. But at the same time, it makes me a little uncomfortable that they're making those blanket uh, assertions like that, you know, every time they say we want our country back. And so the reason that it makes me a little uncomfortable and the reason why talking about these liberal conferences that are coming up reminded me of this is that during the Bush administration, the big liberal conference that happened every year was the Take Back America conference. So, you know, essentially where I come down on this is that you don't have to be a racist to be a teabagger, but it helps. And you don't have to be, you know, pining for the 50s when you could, uh, you know, lynch black people in the middle of the country without... uh, much fear of retribution to say you want your country back. You know, it's just those things may correlate sometimes, but not all the time. And and so I would lean on the side of probably calm down on that a little bit. And as I was thinking about all that, I was ra- reminded of what I think might be the most brilliant piece The Daily Show has ever done. You know, not, not John speaking at the desk, but when they go out and they produce a package. Um, it was incredible and this this clip i'm going to refer to is in the february 14th edition of best of the left and it was john oliver who went through and he was examining o'reilly gingrich hannity and beck as they were saying you know when i was a kid things were a lot simpler and the country was so much better back then and why isn't it that way now and And that that basic line of thinking, of course, then leads to we want our country back to back the way it used to be when things were better than they are now. So John Oliver goes through and he examines all this and and, you know, he kind of goes through the line and, uh, you know, Beck was is the youngest of the crew. So, you know, to, to go back in time to when he was a kid would to go would be to go back to the 70s. Kennedy being a little older, you go back to the 60s to when he was grown up and O'Reilly when he was grown up in the 50s. And so he examined the 70s, 60s, 50s and realized that oh, things weren't really simple and there was hostage crises and energy crisis and uh, you know all types of unrest and you know every decade you go back oh and you know in the 50s and people were being lynched and okay yeah so oh maybe it wasn't so good maybe the 40s were better maybe the 30s were better and and he and he realized terrible things were happening in every decade and they always have been and he finally came to the conclusion so what you know what is it about all these people who say that their childhoods were so simple and he played the clips from each one of them saying, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, oh, that that's it. They were kids. That's why the world was simpler then. Because they were six years old. And to a six-year-old, the world is always a happy and bright and friendly place. So once you grow up past that point of, uh, of having total childish ignorance of, of the world around you, you, If you're not a smart person and are easily uh, manipulated, then you can spend the rest of your life thinking that the world is horrible and wishing you could go back to when things were better back when you didn't know what was going on. So I'm, I'm not sure if I actually came around and, and made a solid point with, uh, with that little diatribe, but I'll end it there. So anyways, as I was saying, uh, a couple of big liberal conferences coming up. Uh, it's not called the Take Back America Conference anymore because we took it back already. Uh, the, the new conference is called America's Future Now, happening in June in uh, Washington, D.C. And then following the next month in July is the Netroots Nation Conference. I, I, first of all, thoroughly encourage you to try to attend one or both of these uh, events if you're able. And secondly, I want to remind everyone that I am attempting to attend these conferences myself on behalf of the show. I wanna go and attend and see what's happening and report back and maybe get audio from the events and you know who knows what, what uh, good could come of it. But uh, so I'm, I'm tr- attempting to raise $1,000 for about a quarter of the way there and, uh, and trying to raise that by the middle of May so that I can get my tickets purchased, hotel, plane, all those sorts of things. So, if you're interested in uh, supporting that kind of a cause, you know maybe memberships not your, uh, not your game. If you want to make a one-time donation, uh, all those one-time donations, uh, you know right now, you know exactly what they're going towards. It's you know what I think is a good cause. Hopefully, you guys think it's a good cause for me to be there, uh, soaking up all the energy with the progressive movement and uh, and bringing that back to the show. And that's going to be just about it for today. Please continue to support the show in the most fundamental way possible. Just telling your friends and family and coworkers and enemies about it. If you want to connect with the show online or even help spread the word about the show online, we're at facebook.com slash best of and twitter.com slash best of whichever you prefer for more details on the show, including the sources and all of the music used in every episode. All of that is always posted on The show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, DC, my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you 10 times a month now, thanks to the members and donors to the show from Bestoftheleft.com.
3: is will take you out any open door. This is not my life. It's just a fond farewell to a friend. It's not what I'm done.